On today's show, the Houston Rockets' new identity is defense, 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 and they were serving up a ton of it in their win against the New Orleans Pelicans. Jabari Smith Jr. was on fire again in this game, but a balanced scoring approach from the entire roster. A men's impact off the bench. Dylan Brooks with some unselfish play. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Kayla Green. Shingoon here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. No! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every single moment more with FanDuel. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200, 200 bucks back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. A really exciting game two preseason win for your Houston Rockets, completely blowing out the New Orleans Pelicans 120 to 87. This game was kind of the real, I guess, like litmus test for this Rockets team because let's face it, the Indiana Pacers kind of rolled out not even like their B team. It was kind of like their like C team, 2.5 team, whatever you want to call it, right? They they it was not a great outing against the Pacers. The Pelicans rolled out their starters. They're legitimate starters, right? Zion, Ingram, Herb Jones, Valanchunas, McCollum. That's their projected starting lineup for the year. And those guys all played legitimate minutes for the entire first half of this game. And the Rockets completely decimated them. And how did they do it? They did it with defense. The Rockets were actually a really horrible offensive team in this game. At one point, they were, I believe, 5 of 22 from the three-point line. They started the game 3 of 5, really hot. Jabari Smith Jr. had a couple threes early, and it, it kind of looked like they were they were rolling, firing all cylinders early on, and then they just started missing threes by the like truckload. It was ridiculous, and it didn't matter because they were so effective defensively in this game. First off, we got a, an actual extended look at Dylan Brooks, which was exciting. You know, no nut shot early in this game. So thank God for, for that. Uh, and the, the kind of impact and presence that Dylan Brooks had, we saw it very briefly against the Pacers, but those first, you know, four ish minutes against the Pacers, you can really tell the impact that Dylan Brooks has on a defense, not just on an individual level, but also from a team defense standpoint, and that was very much on display in this game from Dylan, but also from Fred Van Vliet. The Rockets managed to force 10 New Orleans Pelicans turnovers by the end of the first quarter. By halftime, they forced the Pels into 20 turnovers. That is unheard of 
statistics when it comes to defense because if you force 20 turnovers in one game, you're happy. Doing it in one half of basketball is almost unheard of. But the way that the Rockets were actually getting these turnovers is what really stood out. It wasn't just one guy doing all the work. It was great collective team defense to where you really saw the importance of what Fred and Dylan kind of bring to the table. And you also saw other moments from, from Jabari, from Tari, from Shingoon. Guys really reading and being proactive defensively. They weren't just waiting for the offensive player to do something and then, you know, throwing up their hands last second and, you know, kind of doing a half-assed contest or anything like that. They were active in defending as a team. There were so many moments where... Ingram or Zion would start to make their move and drive the ball inside. And then Fred would slip away from his man just a little bit and dig in at the basketball and get like, you know, he'd get a finger on it or tap it, whatever. And somebody else would be able to recover it. And it's those moments, those team defense moments where guys like Fred and Dylan, they understand they've been a part of top tier elite, you know, top 10, top five NBA defenses. They understand how they can help their teammates be better. It doesn't always have to be a one-on-one battle between the offensive player and the defensive player. When you have your defenders out there who understand, hey, I can lean in here, I can help here, I can do a flash double here, I can hard double this guy, it works. There were moments where Jabari Smith Jr. was switched on to Jonas Valanciunas, and that's a mismatch nightmare for Jabari. He can't deal with Jonas. But they made it work because they sent over, Dylan came over and double teamed him and forced Jonas, forced Jonas into a bad shot and the Rockets were able to get the rebound. There were so many possessions like that over the course of the game. And while I do want to make sure that we give Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks their flowers for, again, the defensive mentality, the edge that they bring to this Rockets team, the other standout in this game, Alperin Shingun who, let's face it, he kind of struggled offensively in this game. Um, He had 12 points on 5 of 12 shooting, went 0 of 4 from the three-point line. Should have been 0 of 5 because there was one where he, like, did his awkward, like, pump fake at the three-point line and drove it in, and and it resulted in, I believe, a turnover on that possession. Uh, He needs to be more aggressive when it comes to shooting the ball because defenses are going to give him that shot. He struggled a little bit offensively. He did finish the night with six boards, four assists, four steals, one block, and four turnovers. The four steals and the one block, though, that's what really stands out because we heard Coach Ime Odoka talking about this. A guy who is as gifted and high IQ as he is on the offensive side of the basketball should absolutely be able to be a difference maker defensively. And Ime even said at Rockets practice the other day that when he evaluates kind of how they defend pick and roll actions, how they defend with their bigs, he tells the guards and the wings on the team to to pretend like the big doesn't even exist. He puts the onus on the guards and the forwards to defend the pick and roll like there isn't even a big man there to bail them out. And that takes so much pressure off of Alper and Shingun to where now it's not just him versus the world with no expectations placed on the perimeter players on this team which is allowing him the chance to actually showcase that, hey, he's actually kind of a plus defender. All we needed LP to be was a passable, neutral defender because of what we know he can provide on the offensive end. And yet, through two preseason games, he's actually been a plus defender. He's been good on that side of the basketball. And if he can continue to be good on that side of the ball, then the sky's the limit for him because we already know what he's capable of offensively. He's... a a passing fulcrum, he's an offensive phenom, eyes in the back of his head, however you want to describe it. 
but seeing him put in the work defensively and seeing the steps that this Rockets team has taken to really emphasize different structural points in their defense, right? Placing the onus, the emphasis on the guards and the forwards for them to be more locked in and engaged defensively is giving him some breathing room, right? It's allowing him the opportunity to use his... Uh, processing speed, his quick hands, all of that, to make plays defensively. There were a couple times where Jonas tried to post up Al P. And Valanciunas is a big boy, right? Uh, you know, if he posts up Al P, he gets the ball down low, it's probably going to be an easy bucket. So rather than just letting the entry pass happen, Al P was being incredibly active. He wasn't exactly fronting him, but he was kind of shifted off to the side of Jonas to as soon as, soon as they tried to toss the entry pass in, Al P kind of slipped around Jonas and tipped the ball away. Twice it happened. So there are a lot of opportunities for Alpi to really shine and flourish as a defender under head coach Ime Odoka and with this new system, with his new teammates. And you're seeing it kind of rub off on everybody. Jalen Green looked so much more locked in defensively and has looked locked in defensively through these first two preseason games. Jabari Smith Jr., who we know, you know has the ability to be a good defender, has been locked in on that side of the ball. This Rockets team is establishing a defensive identity, a defense-first identity, and I really think that there might be a chance. I know it's two preseason games. It might be a huge, scorching, hot take over reaction, but Ime Odoka talked about wanting to you know make this a defensive team, and I think there's a world where maybe the Rockets actually crack a top 10 defense. I would be ecstatic with just top 15, like, you know, upper half of the league would be a monumental increase from where this team has been to where they could be this season. But if they manage to crack a top 10 defense with a lot of the same players that were, you know, floating around this organization for a couple of years, uh, it says a lot about how Ime Odoka was able to change things and change the expectations uh, for these players and really get the most out of them on the defensive side of the basketball. So coming up, I want to shift gears, talk a little bit about the offensive production, especially from Jabari Smith Jr., how the Rockets are kind of approaching their offensive system this year, more of a balanced scoring approach with, we're really not sure, I guess, at this point, who the number one option is, although I do think it's still Jalen Green, as well as Amin Thompson's impact, some unselfish play from Dylan Brooks, and so much more from this Rockets-Pelicans game. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets back guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, and all you have to put up is $5. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Right now, you can take a look at the outright betting favorites for Super Bowl 58. The San Francisco 49ers leading the pack at plus 450. Got the Kansas City Chiefs right behind them. Taylor Swift's team, if I do say so myself, at plus 500. Philadelphia Eagles at plus 650. And then rounding out the top five, you have the Bills and the Dolphins at plus 1,000 apiece. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's go ahead and dive into our Locked on Rockets player of the game from this one who is racking up the honors real early here. I know we're not going to count the preseason players, uh, player of the game awards, but I didn't even have to put a poll out for this one. Jabari Smith Jr. was the best player on the floor for the Houston Rockets in this game against the Pelicans. He was on fire. 
in this one. Finished the game with 22 points on 9 of 13 shooting, 4 of 5 from 3-point land. Didn't make any trips to the free throw line in this one, but he also had 9 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and no turnovers. Was a plus 14 in his 24 minutes played. Almost a point per minute for Jabari Smith Jr. And just seeing the leaps that Jabari has been able to take offensively, he looks like a completely different player now than he did a year ago, than he did even six months ago. At the end of the NBA season, there was hope that Jabari was going to be able to, you know, get into some of the stuff that we thought he was going to kind of bring to the table as, you know, an, an immediate impact player his rookie year, right? He was supposed to be able to spot up, knock down open shots, be a defensive force. You know, nobody was expecting him to have a handle. Nobody was expecting him to take guys off the dribble or anything uh, his rookie season. But in those couple summer league games that we saw, and now through a couple preseason games, it very much seems like Jabari kind of has a bag now offensively. And seeing the way that the coaching staff is actually putting him uh, a novel concept, putting him in spots where he can be successful is really exhilarating, honestly, because they're going back to his roots. They're going back to where he found so much success at Auburn, right? Getting him the ball at the elbow or getting him the ball on the low block where he can post up uh, and just shoot over the top of defenders. He's dribbling into like fadeaways now. He's coming off screens and dribbling into pull-up jumpers. And it really seems like he just has his confidence and his rhythm back, right? It's so hard and I've talked about this before, but it's so hard for a, you know, a player to just be ice cold offensively and never touch the basketball, never dribble it, never you know pass the ball, never, never be incorporated in what the offense is doing, and then have the ball randomly kicked out to you on a random possession and be expected to drain a wide-open three-pointer. Yes, you're wide open. Yes, you should probably still be able to hit that shot. But you go back to like the James Harden era Houston Rockets, right? P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza. It takes a very special type of role player to be able to just be excluded from the offense and just stand there cold, expected to play your ass off on defense, but doing nothing on offense until it's your turn to shoot a wide open three. Not everybody can do that, right? And I think last year that really hurt Jabari and his rhythm and his confidence was just being so uninvolved in the offense. And now... We're seeing him get involved in a variety of different ways, right? We're seeing him be used as a screener where he's rolling to the rim. We're seeing him be used as a cutter. We're seeing him come off off picks and little pin down actions to get wide open shots. We're seeing him be posted up at the elbow or down low on the low block. He is doing it from all over the floor. And you're seeing it. You're seeing the production speak for itself, right? In this game, it really kind of feels like the Rockets identified early on that Jabari had the hot hand. He hit two threes early on in this one, and that was all she wrote. Basically, they just they rode the hot hand from there on out, and that's why Jabari Smith Jr. is your Rockets player of the game in this one. Now, as far as the Rockets' kind of offensive approach, I still firmly believe that their number one option going into the season and through these first two preseason games has actually been Jalen Green. You look at some of the early plays and some of the early sets that they run, a lot of it is really designed for Jalen to get going downhill, right? For him to get ahead of steam, get a screen, and just try to attack. And I think for the most part, Jalen is doing a really good job of not doing too much offensively, right? Jalen has the ultimate green light of probably any player on this roster. Rockets fans would be ecstatic if Jalen was getting up 20, 25 shots a game. Wouldn't even matter what the efficiency looked like. We'd just be happy to see him actually get the volume that we would have liked to see him get these past couple years. That said, I think he's being a good decision maker. He's sharing the basketball with his teammates. In this game, he walked away 12 points on just four of seven shootings, only seven shot attempts. 
quite much lower usage than we're used to seeing from Jalen compared to last season. Missed his only two three-point attempts, was 4-4 at the charity stripe, and he had two rebounds, two assists, and a steal, couple turnovers, was a team-high plus 16 in his 25 minutes on the court. And it does seem like they're utilizing Jalen in a variety of ways too, right? There's moments where he does have the ball in his hands and he's able to, you know, call for a screen and try to get going downhill that way, which... A side note here, it feels like Jalen's decision-making has gotten astronomically better. It's almost like the coaching staff is basically just like, hey, just go. Like, you don't have to quit thinking about stuff. Don't be, don't worry about dancing on the perimeter, trying to cross anybody up. Take the screen, get downhill, get to the rim. We saw him do that a couple times in this game, right? Where he gets a really strong screen from Alperin Shingun or Jabari Smith Jr. or something, and he just takes off and goes down the lane. Nobody can stay in front of Jalen Green. His first step is absolutely ridiculous, right? So he's making those quick decisions. He's making those quick reads, and he's a lot more of an effective player because of it. Because last year, there was a lot of indecision. He'd get the screen, and then he wouldn't really do anything with it, so then the defender wouldn't go anywhere. So then you're just burning like five to six seconds off the shot clock, and then you're back in that position where, okay, now it's, you know, hezy tween iso time, and that's always disappointing. It ends in kind of a rough you know, a rough, uh, tough, contested look. So seeing Jalen make those quicker, better snap decisions has been really nice. And then also, like, I kind of feel like last year, had we seen a game where, in fact, I can't even say had we seen, we saw a game just like this, where Jabari Smith Jr. against the Dallas Mavericks last season was on fire. It was like 14 points in the first quarter or something. He was going toe-to-toe with Luka Doncic in the first quarter absolutely obliterating the Mavs from the mid-range because they kept trying to throw a zone at the Rockets and they kept just giving the ball to Jabari at the free throw line and he kept draining shots. And then they never went back to him the rest of the game. Instead, you've got this game where very early on, whether it was Ime, whether it was Fred, whether it was Jalen, whether it was some combination thereof, you know, uh, you know, uh, a community effort, if you will, they identified that Jabari had it going and they kept going back to him. They kept running plays for him. They fed the hot hand. How many times last season did we beg this team to recognize who had the hot hand, whether it was Jalen, whether it was Jabari, whether it was EG, whoever, whoever had the hot hand, and they wouldn't identify that and go back to it. Shingun, right, if he was cooking. So I think the Rockets' approach to offense this year is very much still going to be Jalen is the number one option, and then some combination thereof from two through four will be kind of malleable, whatever, fluid, where it could be on any given night, it might be Jabari, Shingun, Fred. It just kind of depends. But in this game, you look at the shot distribution, right? 13 shots for Jabari, uh, seven shots for Jalen and Fred, 12 shots for Shingun, and only five shots for Dylan Brooks. Now, granted, a lot of the starters wound up getting, you know, significantly less minutes in the second half. They didn't really play a full game by any means, but I think that's kind of a good look at how the shot distribution could look this season, where if they identify early on, hey, Jabari's got it going, we're going to feed him, or Shingun's got it going, he's got a mismatch, they can't hold him, keep dumping the ball down low, let him cook. Or, hey, Jalen's unguardable this game, right? He's really, his shot's falling, whoever they're putting in front of him can't stick with him, it's going to probably be a changing, revolving door of who the, you know, the number one option is. But I do think going into each game, they're being very intentional about trying to get Jalen going early. And he's being really good about not just focusing on scoring, right? We're seeing him make the right reads. We're seeing him make quality passes, quality reads to his teammates. And we're seeing him be willing to take a step back when his teammates have it going. Jalen doesn't have to score 25, 30 plus for this team to be good. And I think that's a great sign. They can score 
a community effort, right? Jabari had 22. Next highest on the team, you had a couple people with 12, Shingun and Jalen in the starting lineup. And you had a Min Thompson with 12 points off the Houston Rockets bench. And that's one of the next guys that I want to be able to talk about here in just a moment. A Min Thompson's impact off the Rockets bench. The Rockets... Offense as a whole, moving the ball incredibly well. That unselfish level of play is really shining. Something that Ime Odoka has been stressing repeatedly throughout training camp in these first couple early preseason games. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, looking at this Rockets team, you know, there was... Just I do want to shift back to the defense for one quick second here because there was a point early in the uh, third quarter, I believe, where the Rocket starters were still in the game and uh, Shingun pulled for a three. I think I think it was Shingun missed it, and the Pelicans, like all five players in the court, just kind of started like walking back towards offense, like eh, somebody else will get the rebound. And Dylan Brooks, all hustle all the time, was just like, oh, no, nobody's going to box out for this? Cool. Slipped in, grabbed the rebound off on the perimeter, and just fired up a three-pointer and drained it. And uh, his only three of the game. And, like, the Pelicans' body language just looked horrible in this game. Uh, being completely honest, like, this was, this was a game where the Pelicans came in as the favorites, right? They should have handled the Rockets easily in this game. The Pelicans are the team with previous playoff experience. They're the team that has had a roster that's been together. All these guys, you know, star level players in Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. Uh, and they did not look it right. The Pelicans to me are one of the teams out West this year that could be headed for a lot of dysfunction. And maybe, you know, they, they blow up internally. Uh, I, we know there's a lot of questions about Zion, his future with the organization. Do Zion and Ingram fit together? Um, all of it, right? So I think the Pels might be a team to kind of keep an eye on as far as some dysfunction a little bit later on this season. I know some people are like, oh, it's preseason, it doesn't matter. That body language says it matters, right? You don't hang your head and you don't act dejected that way if you aren't upset about how you performed and knowing that, hey, we played poorly, right? The Pels body language screamed, we should not have been this bad, right? They should have at least played a competitive game against the Rockets, not gotten a 33-point spanking handed to them. So... Uh, offensively, one of the main things that really stood out in this game and has through two preseason games uh, is the passing. Now, it wasn't quite as effective against the Pacers, but in this game against the Pelicans, the Rockets had 34 assists on 45 made shots. That assist rate is absolutely insane. And I've got to do, oh, this is always a terrible idea. I should never try this, but we're going to do it. Live math on the podcast, 33 divided by 45. That is a... I think I did that right. That is a 73% assist rate. Okay. 73% assist rate. We're going to go with that number. That is insanely good. And to do that now, granted that you want to bring the turnovers numbers down, right? So there were, you know, a lot of turnovers. Alperin Shingun had some moments offensively where he like drove into two or three guys and the defense collapsed and it didn't look good. Um, there were moments with Tari, you know, some poor decision-making offensively. Uh, even, even a men had a couple turnovers here and there. Uh, so you want to bring the overall turnover number down to probably around, you know, 14, 15, not hovering around 20. But that number, 34 assists on 45 made shots, is an incredible number. And it shows that this Rockets team is moving the basketball. The ball is flying around the court. Guys are sharing it. Guys are making quick moves. That no, not There isn't a single person who's just holding onto the ball and pounding the air out of it, right? 
that's a lot of what we saw last season with the your turn, my turn between KPJ and Jalen Green is each one of them would just take their turn with the ball and there'd be a lot of dribbling, very little ball movement, and it would often end in an isolation shot, right? This team could not be further from that type of identity. They are playing for one another. They're setting good hard screens. They're cutting. They're moving without the basketball. So much is happening on the floor to generate good, high-quality looks. There was a play that the Rockets, they've been running this kind of like split action thing where, you know, player X has the ball at the top of the key and then they have two guys come together at the free throw line and kind of do a, a little bit. I think it's called a split action. I want to, where's Ali Khan when you need him, right? Um, anyways, and in this play, I think it was Jalen and Jabari this time around and Shingun had the ball at the top of the key and they split. So like right at the free throw line, they, they came together like they were in a screen for one another and then they split opposite directions and the defense got confused Jalen Green was wide open. Alpi just tossed him the ball, and Jalen turned and turned into a wide-open jump shot at, from about you know, 16, 18 feet out, whatever it was, just inside the three-point line. Probably one of the most wide-open jumpers Jalen Green's ever had in his NBA career. And it all happened because of just a very simple off-ball action. So seeing the steps that this Rockets offense has taken and their kind of balanced scoring approach across the roster has been really wonderful. And a big part of what the Rockets have been able to do through these couple games, and I think a big part of what they're going to be able to do this season, is actually Amin Thompson and his impact off the Rockets bench. Um, I don't want to call it necessarily a bounce back game because I don't think he played poorly in the first game. He just missed a lot of bunnies around the rim, right? So he was one of nine in the first game. This game, a lot better. He had 12 points on four of seven shooting, one of three from three-point land, so he did hit a three-pointer, which was incredibly exciting, but not as exciting as the baseline drive and jam that he had where he just looks like an alien. People shouldn't be able to do that. He drove the baseline effortlessly, right? So defense closes out on him. They don't close out properly. Well, they, you know, it's a, it was a bad closeout. So he darts down the baseline, dribbles up, defender rotates over. He elevates and does like a reverse, almost 360 jam on the other side of the rim. And he made it look like it was a walk in the park. Like it was no effort involved. That's the kind of freak athlete he is. So he had a, a really strong game off the bench in this one. He got to the free throw line four times, hit three of them. Uh, he had two rebounds, four assists, did have a couple turnovers, but he was a plus 13, so the highest plus minus off the Houston Rockets bench. And I feel very confident at this point in saying Amin is likely going to be the first sub off the Rockets bench. We saw it in the first half of the first game against the Pacers, not including Tari Eason being subbed in for Dylan Brooks because of the nut shot and the ejection. So you don't count that as a substitution because otherwise Dylan would have stayed in the game. But Amin was the first sub off the bench. Then you go to the second half. Amin was also the first sub off the bench in the second half of that game. Then you go to this game. Amin was the first sub off the bench in the first quarter, first sub off the bench in the second, or I apologize, and he started the second half in place of Fred Van Vliet. And that's because Ime did say that some of the veteran guys, some of the older guys were going to get some games off here and there. So Amin started the second half in place of Fred Van Vliet and looked really solid running point for the majority of the game that he was on the floor. So... I think that what we know about how excited Emeo Doka is about what Amin Thompson can bring to the table, the praise that he gave him during summer camp, and kind of what we've seen from Amin so far, he looks ready. He looks confident. He looks in control. He looks like he understands how to make reads. And the funniest thing is just watching him make these reads that seem so simple, but at the same time are kind of impressive, right? So like near the end of the game in garbage time, uh, he was playing with Boban Marjanovic and Boban is an interesting like pick and roll partner because you just kind of toss the ball up 
above everybody else and Boban being, you know, the human mountain that he is can just grab it and keep it above everybody else. But a man threw him a couple passes that were just very much on the money with the defense kind of swarming him, right? There was one where he drove the ball in, kind of did a pirouette in the lane and picked up his dribble and had two guys crowding him and was still able to, as soon as he identified where Boban was and where to put the ball, kind of jumped a little bit and just tossed a quick little bullet pass right to Boban. Easy bucket. Had another one where he drove it in, got the ball right over the top of the defense to Boban, and it's that that height and that vision from Amin is going to be so wonderful to see play out over this season. And he's still, he's still even though he comes in really, really polished and ready to be an impact player right out of the gate day one, he's only going to get better, guys. Like, he's already really, really good, and he hasn't even spent a chunk of the season yet learning from Jalen Green and his, you know, and his, trials and tribulations through his first two years. He hasn't spent a lot of time with Ime Odoki yet. He hasn't spent a ton of time getting the tutelage from Fred Van Vliet. As he gets to spend more time with these guys and as the chemistry builds, I think we're going to see some absolutely insane passes and some you know really next-level playmaking from Amin Thompson. And he has been given the reins of that second unit. The second unit of the Rockets, you know, the bench brigade, whatever you want to call them, that is Amin Thompson's lineup, right? He checks into the game. He runs the offense, and that's a lot of trust to put into a rookie from a new head coach, you know, a brand new head coach in a brand new situation with, you know, goals of ideally making the playoffs or the play-in tournament down the line. A lot of trust being placed in a Min Thompson. I uh, want to highlight a couple other guys here. Dylan Brooks, who, again, I mentioned it very early on, but having him out there, you just see the impact that he has defensively, right? And I really do feel like we're going to see the version of Dylan Brooks that excelled and was kind of the second best player for team Canada because he went through the entire first quarter. Didn't take a single shot. Only took five shots the entire game. Went two of five, one of four from three. You'd like to see that number be a little bit better. You don't want to see Dylan Brooks shooting 25% from three. I get that. But I will say that of all five of his shots, there was only one shot of his that I would classify, quantify, whatever as a bad shot. And it was a really rushed three-pointer, like, early in the shot clock. I want to say the Rockets got, like, an offensive tip back. You know, like, the, the ball got tipped back, so they reset the clock to 14 or something. And Dylan just kind of dribbled into a... It was kind of a longish three and just completely bricked it. And, like, that's the bad shot, right? But his other four shots, nothing bad, honestly. Uh, and, in fact, the one three that he made, talked about it, right, the uh, the terrible box out, you know, no, no defensive rebound from the Pelicans. He hit that three... He had another one where he just forced up a three at the tail end of a quarter trying to get, you know, a buzzer beater to go in. I almost don't even want to count that one against him, right? Because those shots are, you know, kind of like Hail Mary shots anyways. So I'm cool saying that he really went one of like one of three from three-point land, two of four overall, had a couple rebounds, had three assists, did have a couple turnovers, but two of his assists really surprised me. There was one play where Tari Eason uh, poke-checked, got the ball, uh, so defensively, Tari gets the poke check on a player on a Pell's player driving into the lane. Dylan Brooks recovers the ball, starts the break in transition, and Dylan has like, or I apologize, Tari starts the break, kicks it ahead to Dylan Brooks. That's what happened. And Dylan has like a, a an open lane to just drive the ball in, dunk it, lay it up, whatever. Complete open fast break. Instead, he starts to drive it in, and he drops the ball back off for Tari Eason as like a a reward, right? Hey, you got the steal, you get the bucket. And Tari turned it into and one opportunity, in fact, because he went up and he took the contact from the defender and, and finished at the cup. So unselfish play number one. And then there was another one where Dylan had the ball on the right wing 
and identified that the Pels defense was completely shifted over and there wasn't a man checking the corner, flipped the ball to the opposite corner. It was Jabari Smith Jr., I want to say, and Jabari drained a wide-open three-pointer from the opposite corner. A skip pass. Guys, I don't know how many years it's been since we've seen an effective skip pass from a player in a Rockets jersey, but if I were to have a bingo card, I can tell you that I definitely didn't think it was going to come from Dylan Brooks to be the first one this year. I would have said Fred Van Vliet or maybe Jalen Green added a skip pass to his game, but seeing Dylan Brooks sit there on the perimeter and identify, oh, hey, here's how the defense has shifted. Jabari's wide open in the other corner. Boop and just throw the pass over the top, it was awesome. It was it was great, unselfish play, and I really do feel like Dylan is just going to thrive in this role because he doesn't have to do much, if at all, anything offensively. He just gets to put all his energy and effort into the defensive side of the ball, which is how it should be for a player like him. A couple other guys that I want to highlight here before we wrap things up. Uh, I was really impressed with Jay Sean Tate off the Rockets bench. Uh, he didn't score any points in this game, and yet still managed to be an impact player. He had five rebounds. He had an assist, uh, did have one turnover. And there was just a couple of different moments where he just did, you know, some had some hustle play, some moments where he just makes an impact off the Rockets bench. And I continue to find it funny when Rockets fans think that he might not get a spot in the rotation or that, you know, certain guys should play over him. You see that he kind of unlocks some of what they do defensively when they're swarming guys, when they run, you know, one of their switch everything lineups where they have all the guys who can switch one through five, whatever. Jay Sean Tate is an important part of that puzzle, and he's going to continue to do to be that piece uh, for this Rockets team. So I really, you know, I like this play in this game. Uh, and then Tari Eason, actually, off the Rockets bench, who I want to say he actually had 19 minutes. The ESPN box score has been, like, messed up forever on this one. But Tari had eight points uh, on four of seven shooting. He had a couple rebounds. He had four assists. Uh, and then... Actually, you know what? This Maybe this is messed up because I thought he had steals, not assists. Oh, yeah, there we go. Sorry, ESPN box score is throwing me off. Two rebounds, sorry, four rebounds, one assist, three steals in this game. Did have the four turnovers that I highlighted earlier. There's still some moments where you see Tari making some poor decisions offensively, but he is just a natural defender. There's things that he can do defensively that you can't even really teach. It's just like instinctual, the way that he is able to shoot the gap, the way that he's able to cover ground as a defender. Um, so for Tari, you just got to kind of iron out some of those poor decisions that he makes offensively at times, and you got to really hone in on what he does bring to the table, uh, as a defensive piece. And I do find it interesting that in this game, we know that Ime is going to be experimenting with lineups and that's exactly what he did in this one. This kind of felt more like what we're going to see during the regular season, because we didn't see, we didn't get Jock Landale this game. And we also didn't see Cam Whitmore until like the very tail end of the third quarter, basically Cam playing the entire fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, I still think there's a chance for Cam Whitmore to crack the Rockets rotation. But this game was also another piece of evidence of like, hey, you know, Cam has like, incredible tunnel vision like and it's not necessarily bad tunnel vision it's just he gets the ball and he he see as somebody in rockets watch said this and i thought it was so funny he sees two things he sees the ball and he sees the bucket and that's it right like that's that's what he's doing so he i think he got like three shots up in like two minutes of game time from the moment he checked in he's got ultimate green light he's going out there and he's letting it fly and that's good when you're playing in garbage time we're just trying to get those reps that's awesome but if he's going to be a part of the Rockets' actual rotation, then he's going to have to show that he can make some of those good decisions, which we saw during training camp. We saw him kind of staying in his lane a little bit more. So maybe it was just a product of him checking in during garbage time, and that's why he was, you know, a little trigger happy, whatever. 
Maybe Ime just told him, hey, go out there. You've got the green light. Go take all the shots. Maybe that's what happened. Um, I still think there's a chance that he breaks into the rotation. We did see Reggie Bullock, though, out there. And Reggie Bullock, you, you kind of get a, a glimpse of the vision that the Rockets have for how they're going to utilize him. He came off some screens. They had him do, you know, pull some threes off some dribble handoffs, that kind of thing. Because he's going to be kind of the Rockets, you know, resident, like, sharpshooter, the guy that you can just hand the ball to. He's got an insanely quick release. Only one of four shooting in this game, so didn't quite live up to the uh, the sharpshooter resume that he's got. But he had a rebound, he had an assist, he had a steal. Overall, you got to be really impressed with this performance by the Rockets against a Pelicans team that should have beaten them. Like, the Pelicans should have been favorites in this game, and yet the Rockets demoralized them so badly that they basically gave up and waved the white flag in that third quarter. The body language looked horrible, and the Rockets imposed their will on this Pelicans team. So, shout-out to Ime, shout-out to the Rockets for establishing this new defensive identity. Uh, whether or not it's able to be carried over into the regular season remains to be seen. It is preseason basketball, so you do take it with a bit of a grain of salt, but... It was an exciting game. It was a ton of fun. And the next time we see the Rockets play, they'll be taking on the San Antonio Spurs and Victor Wimbenyama. You will not want to miss that game. It's going to be a ton of fun seeing the Rockets take on Wimby. Um, where's my pray for? I should have played. I should have the pray for Wimby button on the board. Oh, well. On that note, I want your thoughts. Can the Houston Rockets be a top 10 defense this season? Let me know in the YouTube comments. Uh, but as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube, search the show, Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.